There's rumors in the Twitter sphere. Kind of on the topic for today. Love a role on the mat. On the mats. Say on the mat tonight. On the mat. Go on the mats. On the mat. On the mat. So glad you could make it out tonight. I, uh, I really appreciate y'all bringing me on the show. Good to go. Oh yeah! All right. Just had to throw on a little bit of Star Wars music to set the mood. Thank you guys for jumping on again, Katie, Jamie, Jackie, Jen. Thank you guys. Thank you for inviting me, Mark. It's always a pleasure to be here. That Star Wars music was perfect. So 10 out of 10. May the 4th be with you yes, all. Yes, happy holidays. May the 4th be with you. So uh, It really made the intro. Yeah, it was great, right? Oh, yes. Man. Loved it. So, guys, I got to get in just before we get started. Thank you again. I've been getting great feedback from from tons of people. We're getting a lot of people coming in and listening and replaying. And, you know, that's largely in, in part to, you know, the contributions of the two of you. I know Jackie's always in the background helping out. So thank you, the three of you, so much. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So we have a really fun topic today. The dark side of jiu-jitsu for May the 4th in honor of Star Wars. You know, I was thinking about this on Monday and I kind of mentioned it. You know, when people come in, new people, we're always telling them about the benefits of jiu-jitsu and the benefits far outweigh, you know, the bad stuff or the uncomfortable stuff that we put up with. But today is time to kind of air those grievances and let people know what the darker side of jiu-jitsu is, what the things are that we don't necessarily tell you right out of the gate. I've heard from a few of you that you really enjoyed this topic, and, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Katie, did you have anything that you wanted to start with? Dude, I'm so ready. <laughs> yeah. Like, I have a list of grievances that I can go through, but my biggest one personally is hygiene. Dude, if I had a nickel for every time I rolled with someone... And they're ge- and this is like the lighter part of the dark side. I know we could get into like wrist locking white belts, which is all fine yeah. and daddy. But, but, dude, I have rolled with some people whose geese are so stinky. And you're like, especially if they end up on top and you're like sitting there and you're just like suffocating. So for me personally, dude, I was not warned of how smelly Brazilian jiu-jitsu was, which is all fine and dandy, but man, so that's it. That's my number one. What do you think? That's a good one for the number one on the list, and I'm sure a lot of people would share that same number one. Definitely not fun. Not my number one, but a ghee that smells like a, a, a cat litter box is definitely not on high, uh, something that I appreciate. <laughs> What's your number one, Jamie? My number one is uh, is something that for for the, the the dark side, the bad side, is something that I think people don't experience unless they actually get into jujitsu. They legitimately get into it, and that is problems with your ego. And it's it's something that affects probably the vast majority of people in in jujitsu. People that have to struggle to to learn things, whatever their challenge may be, whether it's size, strength cardiovascular endurance, or probably my biggest challenge, your ability to learn things. And it's, you're, you, you end up comparing yourself to other people and you, you, you rate your worth based upon like how I'm doing compared to this person or that person, or how come, you know, I used to be able to go toe to toe with this person and now they're beating me. 
and that that's the the, the toughest thing of jujitsu is managing your expectations. Oh wow, that's a good one. You know what? That wasn't on my list, but that's a that's a really good perspective on on some of the harder pills to swallow in the sport. What do you think? Yeah, about that? I mean, I, I have more on the the upside of it and everything. My 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 other ones were just kind of real basic stuff. Like the the dark side is first and foremost for me was like, hey, it's a contact sport and it's combat sport, and some level of injury is inevitable. And the other thing is it's time intensive, unlike other hobbies that people have where you might do it once a week or once a month. You, you're not going to, if you're going to be into this, you're not going to be getting anywhere with doing jujitsu one hour a week. That's true. And you know, bruises did make my list. It's lower on my list, but it's something that I constantly deal with. You see from other people, I'm sure Katie has some funny bruise stories, but that's, it's a little bit lower on my list. What was the other one that you said? Oh, well, uh, in- injury and time jiu-jitsu takes. Time was the other one, yes. But but the, the the other thing I came up with, I thought about this a little bit today before we did this. Did this. I, I thought to myself, you know, one of the things that's good about jiu-jitsu and other positive pastimes that I've found in my life is that the ones that consume a lot of time, a lot of the time they crowd out the, the bad or even just less productive things in your life. Like I'm pretty busy. I work 50 plus hours a week and I train with you guys like four or five, sometimes six days a week for two hours at a shot. And I'm finishing up a master's degree and I got a wife and two kids. And sometimes people say like, wow, how do you, how do you find time to do this? Well, you spend two hours a day at jujitsu, but these are a lot, a lot of these are the same people that spend like four, five hours a night sitting watching tv that's just garbage they're not learning anything they're just and hey if that's what you enjoy doing if that's how you decompress at the end of the day that's fine but that's where i find that time like i don't watch i hardly watch any tv i watch a little bit of stuff here and there on youtube and it's mostly jujitsu related you know yeah um no those are great points man if you really want to do something you'll make time yeah you're right if you want to be good at this you're going to need time and that's a hard thing to manage and a hard thing to balance. Katie, what do you think? All right, Jamie, that was three really good things. So I'm going to try to hit one, two, three. First, with the ego, dude, that's so true. I have like what going on 12 years of martial arts experience total. And I think the most important thing I learned, which was really hard for me, especially as like as an adult, like wanting to get into competition, was understanding how to realize and like completely understand in myself that my journey is my own personally for me i found that if i start comparing myself to people i'm never good enough and that is something that you just you want to strive and you want to be better and you continually want to get better but your journey is your own and so it's important to understand that so i hope that when people start getting into martial arts and it's hard to know you know like it's one of those things where it's hard to accept because there will exactly like you said jamie there's going to be people that come in and they started maybe a year behind you or two years or whatever and they're suddenly better than you and you're like wait hold on when did this happen like i don't understand and so that's incredibly important and then let's see bruises that was the second one you had dude bruises for sure 
I have had multiple times where I had to explain to my boss that I do martial arts. After I got my nose broken, that was a big one. Dude, I had two really nice black eyes and I, I had to go take pictures for an article that I had written. I needed a professional headshot because they were putting my headshot onto the article. And so I go up and, you know, I'm like 5'2". I'm a teeny tiny lady. And I have two really cute black eyes that I tried and failed to cover with makeup. And this guy's like, are you all right? And I'm like, listen. Blink twice if you're safe. I know, pretty much. And I was like, listen, dog, you should see the other guy. Like, he's sleeping on the couch right now, actually, fun fact. (laughs) And then that last one you mentioned, time. Dude, time and allocating time can be so important. And I think like as advice for anyone going into BJJ, you have to understand what your goals are. I'm working three jobs right now. I own my own business. I work for a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu company. And then I work for New Mexico State as a graduate research assistant. So I am being pulled left and right with things. But one of my personal goals is I want to continue to get better at Jiu-Jitsu. And that's a really broad goal. It's, it's very open. But at the same time, it's it's something that's really important to me. And so I have to allocate time to continue to try to strive for that goal. So I absolutely agree with all three of those, Jamie. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but it's 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 one of those it's one of those things that, you know, if you want to do it, you're you're gonna make it happen. And I like what you said about the ego. You're I think you're one of the people that I train with that has a very good understanding of of your ego. It's something I learned to let go a long time ago not just in regard to jiu-jitsu i try and do it with other things because i've come to the conclusion and i don't know how you or other people listening would feel about this but in essence an ego for for me i look upon it as something toxic because it's always based upon what you have versus what other people have so if you have something that other people don't have you feel better about yourself and if you don't have something that other people have you feel inferior or worse about yourself and that means everything whether it's ability in jiu-jitsu a car money or whatever you know you have you have a nice toyota camry that's six seven years old and you feel pretty good about it and you're proud of it and then all of a sudden you're running and working and you're around a bunch of people where everyone has you know bmw 725 eyes now your camry seems like a piece of crap in your mind you know or if you had a bmw 725i and everyone had one you wouldn't feel so good about it, perhaps, because it's like, you know, well, gee, it's not special anymore. Yeah, and, or you'd want a Tesla. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the way I look on it is like, I, I don't invest in an arms race of measuring my worth relative to other people's abilities, maybe outside of a competition, you know, right there, then that's where it's on the line. But as long as I'm getting better and having fun and not getting hurt, I'm, I'm winning in my mind. Yeah, and that's a great point. But it is hard. It's hard not to get sucked into that. And I've had I've had it happen personally and as a coach. I've also had, you know, students come to me, you know, just with those concerns, you know, like why am I not getting better or why is this person better than me? And it's hard not to get pulled into that, you know, but it's a great it's a great point to bring up. Yeah. Um, and another thing I think you I know you know this as a coach, but in the same pool of people you're training with, because it took me a long time to realize this, you realize that when you train with other people or people you haven't trained with for a while, but all of a sudden you're like, am I getting worse? What the hell is going on here? Maybe you have a bad day or a bad couple of days or what have you, but you don't real. it took me a long time to realize this. All the people you train with, they're getting better alongside with you. 
and yeah. maybe some of them are progressing a little a little faster or maybe they're just on pace with you so you feel like man i'm never getting better than this guy or all of a sudden i'm having a hard time finishing rear naked chokes on on this person and this person and this person it's like well yeah they're getting better and they're figuring out what you're what you're doing yeah so they you know, know their game. I, I'm, I'm very happy with what I'm able to do. I, as always, I strive to do something better. But, you know, I'm doing I'm doing stuff now that I couldn't do six months ago. And that's the thing is you have to compare yourself not to other people, but to yourself. Exactly. You know? And if it's hard to see because you're so close to the subject or to the object that it's hard to see it from the outside. And one of my things as a coach is I try to, you know, always tell people, you know, how they're growing, how they're progressing, remind them that they are getting better because I can see it from the outside. But from the inside, it may be a little bit harder to see. One question that I did want to bring up, cauliflower ear. Are you for or against it? Let me tell you a little <laughs> story about cauliflower ear. <laughs> so, okay, I've had a change of heart. Yeah. So at first I was like, no. I was not a fan of cauliflower ear. I was like, dog, that's ugly. But now when I walk into, especially when I go out like to bars, like drinking, I start checking for cauliflower ear. I'm like, let's see. I start sizing people up, Mark. It's so bad. And so I am team cauliflower ear now. I think it's pretty cool. I think, I think cauliflower ear, like all good things is great in like minimal amounts. I'm not a fan of the cauliflower ear where you like can't hear out of your ear because it's like completely closed up. You know what I'm talking about? But just a little bit. So people know you're serious, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When it impedes your ability to use earbuds, it's getting pretty serious. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. And I think also, like, I think that cauliflower ear is kind of a really cool way to physically see how much work you're putting in. And I know, like, pe different people get different, like, their experience with cauliflower ear is different. But it's kind of a cool thing where you can see, like, man, I've really put time on the mats because now my ears are showing it, too. So I was team not cauliflower ear, but I've been... I've been um, I've been converted to Team Cauliflower Ear. That's great, Jamie. What side are I, you? I've only had one one ear blow up really bad once, and I was actually not terribly worried about the the aesthetic look because little messed up ears and holding my looks back, they're already what they are. But my concern was like, man, I'm too bad at jujitsu to have an ear this screwed up. <laughs> so it, I was I was happy it came back with draining the hell out of it as as much as it did. But I think within the subculture that we live in, it's it, to me, it's not a problem. I mean, if my ears were messed up more than they already are, I, I wouldn't worry about it. And I, I kind of feel like Katie does, where it's it kind of lets people know like who and what you are and what your level of dedication is. You know, that said, when I blew mine up really bad, it really wasn't much. It's just it seems if it just you hit it just right, it's gonna go. Yeah, and it's always kind of an issue after that. Yeah, I mean, mine was so bad that it was blown up. When it blew up bad, it was blown up on the backside of my ear, my right ear, and my glasses wouldn't even sit straight on my head. They were, like, <laughs> lifted up on one side. I'm like, man, I got to I gotta at least fix the backside of this because this is horrible. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm obviously team cauliflower ear. I, I love and nurture all the little bumps that I that I get. But what topped my list for dark side of jiu-jitsu has to do with the gi and it's inflammation of the knuckle joints when you practice, you know, sleeve grips. Oh, yeah. 
Gee, yeah, gee hands. If you get those gee knuckles, Google them. Some people look really bad. Mine aren't that bad. Mine but, are pretty um, bad. It, yeah, it's something that that I think about almost every single day is how, you know, how certain knuckles are just, you know, not the same. I didn't even think about that. And I'm sitting here looking at three real one one little finger that doesn't even go straight anymore and three other knuckles that are kind of bulbous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one that topped my list for sure. Katie, do you have any any knuckle issues? I know you try to stay away from the pajamas. So. <laughs> yeah, not quite a pajama player. I actually, so on my list was injuries, and I will technically like I'll I'll include that in my injury in my injury like spot. My knuckles, dude. Though I have to be really careful because my job includes a ton of typing, and then photo editing takes a really like steady hand especially when i'm doing teeny tiny edits so for sure when i first started training and i was doing all the morning gi classes i actually had to go home and like ice my knuckles before i would go to work or go to classes because they would get swollen because i got gross little like bony spindly fingers and so they would get they get caught in gis and stuff so easy so no i definitely agree dude that is not a fun time especially for like my career absolutely agree yeah, I'm always messing with my knuckles or popping my fingers now in one way or another, and it's probably really weird. Injuries probably, you know, going back to the the old school family feud, you know, we, if we surveyed 100 people, pain or injury would be the number one answer as far as the dark side of jiu-jitsu. But one that we haven't touched on yet is milliliters of sweat ingested. How about that one? Oh, no, dude. Oh, my goodness. So... Yeah, that was something I had to learn really quickly. I actually, number one, I hated feet when I first started jiu-jitsu. I was like, ah, dog, I don't want to be around people's feet. And now I'm like, whatever. So I got over that really quickly. But sweat, too. I was not a fan of sweat. I did not think it was such a sweaty sport. And then I was grappling with a very amazing, awesome bald guy. (laughs) And I opened my mouth to say some smart-ass remark. I don't remember what I was saying. And he looked down at me, and I just watched a drop of sweat roll off of his beautiful glistening forehead just directly into my mouth. <laughs> so that was, I honestly, I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, should I ask like for consent? Like, what do I do? I didn't sign like any forms or waivers that included sweat. So yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Jamie, what about you? Well, I make, probably make me feel guilty here because once, especially once the weather gets warm, I sweat like Frosty the Snowman when he was trapped in the greenhouse near the end of that cartoon. So I'm probably uh, probably one of the worst perpetrators for that. I'm not particularly bothered by it; it's not my thing. But it kind of just goes with the territory. But yeah, I can I can definitely identify with being the guilty party on what you're talking about. Are there are there any people that that's their thing? Like, I mean. There's all kinds of people now. I wonder yeah. if there's any any sweat enthusiasts out there. <laughs> oh no, the, the internet's a weird place. I'm sure there's somebody that's 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 into it. Yeah, there's got to be somebody. But you know, I'm I'm a perpetrator also. You know, bald guys. Katie mentioned bald guys. The sweat, the hair that people have breaks up the sweat. But when you don't have any hair and you look down, it's just like a cascade. And I love how Katie explained it because you almost see the sweat ball drips coming down in slow motion as they you know just hit you on the face it's horrible yeah but, I've, I've felt bad for people like they'll have me stuck in their guard and i'll be like posturing up and i'll actually angle you know if it's a competition i don't care but like one of my friends at the gym 
I'll have like sweat running down my head and coming off my chin like a gutter. And I'll actually angle my head out of the way so it doesn't fall in their face just to try and be a little more courteous. <laughs> with where you appreciate that, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One more before we open up the lines. The last one is long fingernails or you know, jagged toenails. I've caught a few toenails to the face and it's definitely one of the worst aspects of trading this sport absolutely like for sure and people i don't think that especially and this is not directed at you guys but directed at men in general i don't think men sometimes realize how long their toenails get in between clippings i'm like listen it's not a like clip every two weeks thing it's a clip like every day thing to speak for some men if you would, if you were to look at a pie chart as to how how often men think about their toenails, it's little to none. But it's something jujitsu's changed about me. We appreciate it as a lady who definitely is always concerned about her nail length. The reason I'm very passionate about this is because when I was training up in Austin many many moons ago, I grappled with this guy who. I don't know what was going on. I was a spazzy white belt. He was a spazzy white belt. His foot ended up in my face. And again, me opening my mouth. That's the real problem here is just me opening my mouth. But I opened my mouth again. Um, and his toenail cut me across the gums. Oh, like, do you oh know God. how violated that felt? Like, so, nails, man, cut your nails. Clip your nails. File your nails. Just don't have nails. <laughs> It's hard. And that's, you know, I've, I've taken a few toes into, you know, different orifices. It happens. Yeah. Katie's, Katie's like poked my nose and my ears with her toes. So it's definitely a part of the job. Any, any last comments? I'm going to open up the lines. If anybody has any, um, any questions, comments, any things that we might've missed, feel free to raise your hand or speak up. Again, we're talking about the dark side of jujitsu I know Jackie had mentioned the the nails, but if you want to elaborate, definitely, definitely you can. What's up, David? Hey guys, what's going on? Caught like the back half of it. I'm a, I'm at work, so I had to take a break real quick. Man, we appreciate you making time though. That's cool. Hell yeah, dude! I've been wanting to catch a live one of these for a while, and like I caught one with Robs, but just finding the time, especially now that I'm kind of stuck on nights, it's it's been a little difficult. You are one, though, that, man, you, you've been really faithful in hitting the replays and catching up and stuff. And, you know, we appreciate that, man. We had a couple of our episodes were were really, really cool on the replays. I wasn't expecting anything like that. So kudos to David, one of our faithful listeners. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as a student from Zia, I, I want to be just immersed in the culture and in the group. You know what I mean? I I enjoy my time in class and I enjoy my time with the other teammates. So any chance I get to be around you guys or interact with you, it's it's always going to be good. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you. Any any dark side comments? I know you caught like half of it, but if you have one, definitely. What would you think the dark side of jujitsu is? Oh, man. You know, I've broken several bones, had, you know, multiple stress fractures from, you know, military hikes and stuff like that. But... I will forever be mortified of split seams in the mats. Yep. I was taking mats. Man. Yeah. Like that. So by far that little pinky toe break was, and it's silly, but the most painful bone break I have ever had. Like 
completely just demolished me. I think I almost passed out in your garage. It was, yeah, I, it's one that I will never forget, you know, again, as I, it was the garage days and, you know, just to give you guys some background, we were, you were training in the garage before we had started ZM and it was hot. It was summer and I had two choices. I'm like, fuck, I've got to either run to the store and grab water bottles or I've got to tape the mats. And I chose to go get water and man, David broke his toe on that split in the tape. And to this day, you know, I get chills whenever I see splits in the mat in the tape, but the broken toes. And I know uh, Goyo can definitely attest to he's had many in the garage days. So that would be sure. It's a horrible bone to break, man. You can't really do much. for it. Oh, there's nothing. And then like three or four days later, we had tickets to the Metallica show in El Paso. So there my dumb ass is with my busted toe and my stupid little like, because it wasn't like a full walking cast. It was just like a little, like a Velcro moon boot that they gave me to kind of keep my toes all nice and like a mitten, I guess. And there I am like jumping. And of course, parking is, you know, several blocks away. So I, I had to walk to the Dan uh, Don Haskins Center, walking back from it, like being on my feet all night. It was miserable, but I had a blast anyways. But yeah, definitely should have made better choices with that injury. <laughs> yeah, man. One that, you know, and again, Katie's on here, you know, Goyle's on here. It's it's part of the of the game. And again, one of those things that we wouldn't lie to you if you walked in, you asked, I'd tell you, but I would never offer that information to new people. It's like, hey, man, you know, you might get injured. That's why we have you sign a waiver. We feel like it's implied. Oh, 100%. I thought Bannock broke my toe a few weeks ago. We were doing, Professor Spencer calls it the John Wick, what is it, John Wick drills, where it's he set it up for two minutes and you're working double legs or single legs. And there was three of us rotating, right? Well, Bannock went in for a takedown and he dumped his knee straight onto my big toe and drove through the takedown. And I thought that my big toe was going to snap off. (laughs) Man, takedowns are rough and you got to be really careful with those. That's why we, you know, we're, that's no, we're not takedown heavy. And I don't know if that's one of the reasons, but it's just hard to teach and and train those at a high speed without inevitably somebody getting hurt. Mm-hmm, for sure. It was a it was a new drill. And I, I mean, I'm familiar with takedowns just because, you know, that's part of my game. I'm not really a guard pull. I'm the aggressor. So I try to work takedown and and form takedown and stuff like that. It's it's just man he landed straight on my toe and i'm telling you his the pressure from him driving his hips through for the takedown was worse than him landing on my toe i was like oh jesus i saw spencer was on i was like all right does spencer have some of that good good knowledge he's gonna drop on us but before that i actually saw this mentioned we mentioned it in the last podcast we had i think maybe last week and then it was actually mentioned in one of the ladies jujitsu groups that i'm in that i was like oh how did we forget this um but there's going to be people in your gym or in a gym that you train at who is going to come in for the wrong reasons whether that's to because they want to hurt people or because they're super creepy or like a mix of both or whatever 
Luckily, like truth be told, Bazia, I've never once experienced that. But I have seen time and time again ladies talking about guys rolling with them who have purposely copped a feel. Or grown men talking about how they had someone come in who had something to prove and it was all ego. So I think that's a dark side that luckily, I think if you have good coaching and you have good instruction, you don't really have to worry about. But it's definitely on there. That is a good one to bring up. And, you know, a good woman's perspective on rolling in a, in a sport that's dominated primarily by men. And sometimes you get, you know, the creeps in there. Hopefully the system weeds them out you know, and it's addressed, but it is definitely something that might happen. We love some good old mad justice. That's a dark side too. (laughs) (laughs) Matt enforcers. Yeah. You know, sometimes people have to be put in their place and that's another dark side of the mat. Professor Spencer, if you had a comment, man, definitely jump in. I just wanted to get the mic queued up. I missed the first part of it, but did you guys talk fingers yet? Finger injuries? We talked about like uh, inflammation of the knuckles. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the hands, I uh, I used to wear rings and now nothing I've ever worn. My ring size has gone up like one size every year since I've been training. It's definitely, uh, the gi can be heavy on the fingers for sure. Yeah, that one actually topped my list, man. It was probably the thing I think about the most. Another one that I wanted to bring up was the amount of time spent with your head in between someone else's legs. That's another thing that we don't tell you that actually quite happens quite a bit. Um, disproportionately. Okay, so I'm going to go into a gross story then because this is <laughs> definitely applicable. But there's a guy I used to train with. He's still in town. He's a DJ now. and I won't, um, That's enough information. But this was probably 2006, 2007. And it was Nogi round. He was training for an MMA fight. And I was on top, kind of north-south, and he had fairly short shorts on and bare legs, and he threw his legs up and caught my head in between his legs, but the way that he caught my head, like, uh, plastered my lips open, and (laughs) when I finally pushed his freaking beef thighs off of my head, I had fairly big chunk of something and my face was like down buried where it shouldn't be (laughs) i had a chunk of something inside of my mouth and yeah i mean i continued with the roll but i pieced it out and it was a small little i mean it was just it was very disgusting it was that is my most disgusted moment in jujitsu of my entire life for sure that one does have to be pretty bad very I'm bad. bad. Maybe hair caught in the hair caught in your mouth guard, stuff like that. Yeah, I was gonna know. say hair. For girls, just the negative side or the dark side is the loss of hair. Uh, but not even just for girls. Now that I think about it, because for those guys who do have long hair, it's gonna be all over the mats or potentially in your mouth. You may be, you know, coughing up a hairball from time to time. But that's definitely a negative for me. Yeah. If I get if I I don't lose much hair. I mean, my hair isn't long, but I mean. If I get a hair in my mouth guard, I'm pretty sure it's not mine. I've definitely pulled out a lot of people's hair or just, you know, when we sweep up the mat now, it is, it's, it's, I've joked that the, the building now is probably 30% hair. It's everywhere. <laughs> I think like on a scale of one to 10, BJJ is at the bottom of like good hair pulling. Like it's down there. It's zero. It's not a fun <laughs> time, man. I've had people, I remember 
I used to French braid my hair. And one day I felt like really fancy and I Dutch braided it, which means the braid is kind of like on the top of your head as opposed to like, like laying flat against your head, I guess is a good way to describe it. And I had someone, I don't know how this happened, but they kneeled on the, like kind of like towards the top of my head on the braid itself. And I went to scrimp away and it just pulled out like this huge like wad of hair and I'm looking at it and I'm like, dude, I'm bald now. <laughs> like I got to like pull a full Britney Spears and shave my head because I'm bald now. Like it was terrible. So <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Shopping wigs on Amazon already. I, I sweep up the mats and sometimes I see chunks of hair so big. I'm like, how are these people not bald by this time? You know, it's, it's all the time now. It's funny because we've got an old building and we don't have good air conditioning. So when the fans are rolling, I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but the hair, it's almost like it's almost like planets being created because the fan will gather all the hair together and then they'll start rolling and fall because of the way that the fan is moving the air currents. Have you guys seen that? Yes, for sure. It's kind of fun to watch sometimes as you're like relaxing after a roll. You're like, wow, just start like introspecting. Yeah, you can get pretty deep, and it is like it, it, it makes me think about the universe and like the nature of reality. I was like, and then I think about it, it's like, fuck, I've been staring at this ball of hair for 30 seconds now, showing my age a little bit. But it's like that video of the floating bag in what was that American Beauty? You just <laughs> see that like bag spiraling around in the wind. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely it. I know. Uh, to tell a Professor Spencer's story, when I first met him, uh, I probably trained with him for maybe two or three months. And then we uh, first company in Long Beach in, in California for SJJIF Worlds. But he was so mad after that match that he came immediately back and cut his hair because of, uh, of the way it interfered in his match. That's right. I was pissed. Ooh, can we hear a little bit more about this? I want to hear what happened. Oh, man. Well, it wasn't too, I mean, there's not too much to it, but I was fighting in Worlds. Actually, well, I mean, there's this. I was on 120 milligrams of edibles and <laughs> fighting fighting in Worlds at Brown Belt. I mean, I had a big old man bun at the time, and I fought the guy who ended up winning it. Everybody has to mention that so you don't sound as bad when you fucking lose like an idiot, but <laughs> I, uh, we went to wrestle and yeah, first thing he did is like collar tied the shit out of my head and just smacked the bun. And I was like, this is stupid. This is not, I'm not a samurai. This is not my hairdo. What about oil checks? Oh, oil checks. So I, I don't know if it's not a super, super common thing for sure. Cause obviously you would have a terrible reputation. But the first time I found out about it was in a role with retired UFC veteran, uh, Joseph Benavidez. We were both fairly new to the scene. I mean, he had wrestled, and I had done my thing with karate and Muay Thai and stuff. But we had been grappling for maybe about a year or so, like with submissions and stuff. And I had him in a triangle choke. And next thing I know, I found out that if I get oil checked, my body will just like fly in the air like a cat, and I'll land in the fetal position. I'm not sure if there's something I'm blocking out or. I've never gotten oil checked, but I have inadvertently oil checked people. And I apologize to those of you if you're out there listening. <laughs> Sometimes you're just reaching for a grip, man. And it's just, it, you don't know what's out there, but uh, <laughs> I apologize. 
That's something as a lady I can say never had to experience. I don't know if it's my lady privilege that people are just very wary of those areas. I definitely did accidentally pull someone's pants off, though, like completely bare booty cheeks all over the mat. That someone also happened to be my husband. It was a good time. Why was this not at Zia? I have, I'm, I'm assuming this was in Austin. No, this was at Zia. So we had transitioned right from gi to no gi, and we had worked pants grips that day. And Chad and I were just like messing around, rolling with each other. Nothing too serious. And I had not clicked out of gi grip mode yet. And I felt so bad. I literally, I just pulled, I got such a great grip. Spencer would have been so proud of me actually using grips. Wrong type, but you know, I had the grip still on both like sides of his waistline and just pulled. And <laughs> so bad and he the look he gave me mark like literally he turned around and looked at me and it almost looked like the kim kardashian poster where she's like turned around and looked at you except it wasn't sexy it was like i'm gonna divorce you (laughs) everything was fine his pants did make their way back up but yeah i felt really 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 bad after that one so no oil check-in but i did accidentally moon the entire gym with my husband's butt Oh, man. There you go. Pete missed his chance, man. He should have been there. True. (laughs) Oh, man. That's great. This has been a really fun conversation. Thank you guys again. Does anybody have anything to say before we part? I mean, we're a little bit over, but if you guys want to keep talking, I'm fine. I could do this all night. One thing before I go, because I got to get back to my job, but... um... Definitely team cauliflower ear. I came in right before that. And to add on to like the sweat and all that stuff, I'm a big sweaty guy. I burn hot normally. So getting into that gym atmosphere, it's just instant sweat. And like sometimes I can wring my gi out. So I definitely there's times I'm very conscious and self-conscious about how much fluid is coming out of my body so i'm like oh god this is horrible i feel so bad for my partner (laughs) and actually before we go first of all david it's okay dude we love you it's all good as long as you're wearing deodorant still love you always always deodorant i shower before every class so we're good we appreciate that too i mean to all of you out there those of you who may be listening we appreciate the people who wash their ass and use soap and do laundry. We love you guys out there. Shout yes. out. Don't stink. Don't stink in class. <laughs> all right, Aaron. I saw you requested to speak, and I'm super excited to have you on. For all y'all that don't know, Aaron is a good friend of mine. He's a super great um, photographer. He owns Half Dome Media, so I'm so glad you're here with us today. Awesome. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for that introduction, KD. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. This was a ton of fun. Um, I've got one quick story about the dark side of jujitsu. Kind of going off of what Katie was talking about earlier, people showing up and like hurting other people out of ego. So I train at 10th Planet Albuquerque, and every Saturday we host an open mat. All schools welcome, no mat fee. Super awesome, super awesome time. So we had this dude, I won't say what gym he's from, but he's a brown belt traveling around. He was in Albuquerque for the day, showed up to open mat. And he's rolling with one of our white belts, this woman. She's like 23, super, super small beginner. She's been in it for less than a year. Timer's about to go off. They're just kind of flow rolling. All of a sudden, he ripped this arm bar way harder than he should have and ended up kind of jacking up her elbow. So he sat up, 
he's all proud of himself first. And then uh, she bent down and like fully open hand slapped him across the face and started saying, don't you ever do that again. If somebody tells you, if somebody says tap, you always respect the tap. So dude starts crying. He's sitting on the mat. And then one guy actually, who I think Spencer knows a purple belt that trains with us ended up stepping in as the mat enforcer and forced him for a couple solid minutes. And then, Buddy got his feelings pretty hurt, and he ended up leaving. And none of us have ever talked to him since. Wow, that's a good story. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy for for the lady who spoke up and said something. That might be hard. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, it can be rough, man. You know, we we're always welcoming to people who are traveling and you know just just coming through. But you know, one of the red flags, and I'm sure we'll have a topic on this. You know, red flags if we haven't already talked about it, but. When someone comes, you comes in, and they say that they, you know, they just wanna, they just wanna do open mat. They don't want to do, you know, instruction. You know, that's one of the big red flags. And you know, I'll share a story. You know, Jamie and Spencer were both there. We had this guy come in right after, you know, the lockdown. Who was? He was a really big guy, purple belt from up north, and probably, you know. Over the 250 mark, definitely. Really, really big guy. But he had shown up the week before, and he was really nice with Spencer. This is my my perspective. I'm sure you guys can jump in and share. But it's just me and Jamie on the mat. You know, open mat was really light. And so we go to roll with this guy. And, man, I think Jamie was first. And he just smashed the living shit out of Jamie. And I was kind of looking at him. Jamie's there in bottom half, breathing under the shield, you know. And... It was just, you know, one of the worst. And my experience with him wasn't wasn't well, uh, wasn't very good at all either. And it's, you know, it's I, I remember like, that. And me and him have rolled twice subsequently. And there's a there's a there's a story out of that too. Spencer actually gave me some coaching on what to do, and it worked out a lot better the 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 second time around. But yeah, I do vividly remember that. Yeah, man, you can tell. Um, you know, what do you experience there? Well, yeah, I got stuck underneath and stuck underneath and Spencer was there. And if I remember correctly, he was like, hey, why do you keep doing what that guy wants you to do? I'm like, what do you mean? He was like, well, you ended up underneath him. He's much bigger than you, but he's also like, he's not just big. He's big and fat. He's like got a hundred pounds on you. You need to like, when you're going to, this is good practice for you for any type of jujitsu. You need to fight a different fight depending upon the body type and the type of person you're fighting. So do not engage with that guy right away. What you want to do is you want to be active and moving and you want to be up on your feet and you want to like keep pushing him down and moving around for like at least the first two minutes of the round. And then when he's tired, then you get on top of him and you attack from there. So months went by and then I saw him later, like he came by, same thing, like open mat on Saturday and I don't know. I don't want to speak ill of anybody, but I had just got promoted to purple belt since I last saw him. And he was, well, I'll say it. He was kind of a dick. He was like, Hey, so you're a purple belt now. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, so you're a badass. I'm like, no, I'm still just me. I just, you want to roll? And he's like, yeah. But I remembered what Spencer told me. And I like kind of not that, not to talk myself up, but I kind of rope a doped him and I kept, getting up and getting, getting down. I'd get down, I'd get back up. And I made this fat 300 plus pound guy get up and down, up and down 
off the mat for about two and a half minutes. And then when he was gassed out, I dove into neon belly and pressured him. And I got into one of my favorites, which is scarf hold. And I cranked the piss out of his arm and I tapped him. And then he was like, okay, let's do it again. We did it again. And I pressed and pressed and pressed and pressed. And I just got him completely gassed out. I ended up in top side control. And then he was like, Hey, I'm done. I'm like, Oh, okay. I thought he was like tapping. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm just gassed out. I need to, I need a break. I'm like, okay, cool. Take a break. We'll roll again whenever you want or whatever. So then he tells me, you want to roll again? I'm like, yeah. So we rolled again and I did the same thing again. And I was like, oh, cool. I got this guy figured out. And then he tells me afterwards, he's like, hey, you know, you didn't really win. I just ran out of gas. And I'm like, okay, if that's the way you want to look on it, that's cool. I said, but if this was a competition and you ran out of gas and you laid there and you couldn't do anything and you quit, what would happen? And he looked at me. I said, you'd fucking lose. And I said, if it was a street fight and you ran out of gas and you just laid there, it would be a decision whether or not I wanted to put you in the hospital or kill you. So you'd lose there too. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen him since, but that was, that was that. I don't think you were there for that second, that second conclusion, but that's how it ended up. But I was that- surprised because like the first time when he smashed the shit out of me, he was like, he was pretty cool. But then once he was like on the other end of it, he kind of had sour grapes about it. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that, man. I, I don't think I remember seeing that, but that's, you know, I, I didn't have any positive experiences with that guy and everybody that I talked to, members and such, you know, nobody had anything, you know, very good to say about rolling with him. So I'm happy that that, that happened and that ended that way, man. Yeah. Spencer, did you have something to say? No, no, I was just, uh, I was just enjoying laughing along with that. I do vaguely recall that advice and that does sound like the advice that I give. I mean, that's my absolute division strategy. You know, I feel bad maybe saying one more thing about this same grappler because that's kind of, you know, (laughs) but uh, there was there was a submission that I did on him that I've never done on anybody else in my entire 17 years competing in jiu-jitsu. I've never done this to anybody, but I learned it from a Hawaiian black belt super early on. I can't remember the guy's name, but basically we were in the gi and basically you take, if you can imagine having both lapels, like kind of like a, where's my money kind of grips. And then you put the outside edge of your foot. Like if you were doing a karate sidekick against like their trachea kind of tongue, bottom of their jaw area. And you just, pull as hard as you can on both lapels and extend the knife edge side of your foot as hard as you can into their neck and it's it is one of the most vicious submissions that you can do in jiu-jitsu and it's the only person that i've ever used it on (laughs) i think i remember that one and you know it's funny when you you don't do it a lot and that's your style i love it that you you know you're very kind when you're rolling with people even when roles get heated you're still very reserved but i can tell when people bring it out of you and that was definitely one of them <laughs> you hear the frantic taps yes um, <laughs> that's always good to hear that's funny thank you man and i appreciate that that comment i think with spencer Love to roll with you, dude. I wish I could have seen that, man, because I've never seen you get that way. Like, I've seen you really intense with the competition, so that would have been very awesome to see. I think I also personally have my, like, my special move that I only use for people if they're super-duper irritating me, and that's actually the easy cue. 
Which is totally, it's a relevant move. But for me personally, I don't like doing it unless I'm like, all right, you know what? It's getting a little, getting a little too spicy for my liking. I think I'm going to put something on you. I always think of that meme. I don't know if you've ever seen it where it's like the guy at jujitsu practice and someone Ezekiel's his like face, you know, that really nasty, like face cranking Ezekiel. And he's like driving home and he has this like bruise on his face. And then he gets home and he like looks up the guy at the Ezekiel and he unfriends him on Facebook. Everybody, I feel like has had that feeling too, with some kind of sub. You're like, you know what? Fuck this guy. But eventually I think everybody's cool. <laughs> Mark, fun fact, watched some guy like three times my size Ezekiel me from Top Mount. Again, this is when I was like pretty much just started. I guess maybe just started Zia. So maybe like four or five months in. Was that at the Tom DeBlas seminar? That was at the Grind Open Mat. That's what that was. So this giant man, which this was my mistake. I should have been faster, but I was kind of like feeling out what I was going to do. And he, I kid you not, basically just like pushed me over and then sat on top of me. And this man's was shaped like a bowling ball, had to have been pushing like 250, very large guy, also a white belt. And he's just like looking down at me and I'm like, you look like a man of a man. And I'm like looking up at him. I can't even see the sun shining. Like it's all in shade because he's so much bigger than me. And he just reached and I, I have no idea what to do at this point. I'm like, I don't even, is shrimping even going to work? Like, what am I going to do? So I'm kind of looking at Mark to see like, like what's going on? Like any advice? And he's just kind of chill and he's like watching this progress. And then this man Ezekiel's me and he does the face crank Ezekiel. And he is so much bigger than me. And I, I literally look up at Mark and I'm like, eat too, Brute. I'm like, please save me. <laughs> so I, I decided Easy Kill was going to be my mean people move because I was real mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because that's the same. I don't know if Jamie had the same thing in his mind when he was rolling with that purple belt, but I had it in my mind because... He was down there in that first role before he, you know, was vindicated. You know, he was just down there and just, I've been trapped under big people before too. And you just kind of, if you look up at somebody uh, that's not rolling or on the side of the mat, like they can't do anything to help you. There's nothing anybody can do when you're on the mat. It's just you out there. And I kind of got that feeling, that same feeling from both of those experiences or those situations. It's okay. Jamie and I grew together. We're survivors. That's what this is. It's one of the beautiful things about the sport is that, you know, some people, and I commend you, Jamie, for taking those hard roles and Katie for rolling with people that are bigger than you, because a lot of people avoid the hard roles, but those are the ones that make you better. You know, you know, I, I had a guy who kicked my ass day in and day out three times a week in the morning for the better part of nine months. And it crushed my soul. Like, you know, if I think too much about it, I might still start to cry. But it eliminated my ego and it made me work harder. And I think we're all better for taking those those types of roles, you know? Yeah, I, I think if I may, some people like not to be negative, but there are some people that you you're never going to beat. I mean, short of them, you know, having a serious injury or a serious, you know, setback, which really reduces their abilities. There's some people you're never going to be able to beat unless you're just lucky. Maybe you catch them one time, like, you know, out of a thousand rolls, you might catch them in something. They might get complacent because they're used to beating you up so much. But even if you roll with, I, I, I'm never shy away from somebody as long as they're not going to hurt me, you know, and I appreciate the guys we have that roll hard with me because 
all the guys that, that 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 consistently beat me up, like whether it's Manson or Samson or whatever, they never hurt me. Yeah, they'll go hard and they'll throw me around, but they're they're they they're always very careful. But even if you're never going to be able to beat somebody, rolling with them is always going to make you better, because the guy who beat you, took you down, and submitted you in, you know, ten seconds. Now maybe if you play it conservative, you can go a whole round with him, and he can't submit you. You're not submitting him, but you know what? You survived rolling for five minutes with a guy who used to submit you in under thirty seconds. So yeah. I think always some value, a lot of value with rolling with people that are much better. Yeah, that's definitely progress, you know, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard pill to swallow, but I definitely think it's something that's, that's necessary. Yeah. I think it comes back to my, my little thesis on ego. And that's the, that's the thing. Like, you know, you got to bury your ego. You got to lose your ego. And I think if you stick with jujitsu and you can master that, if you can master putting your ego in check, it enables you to do it with, with everything in life. You can defeat your ego and, and put it away because it's not a productive part of the human psyche, in my opinion. Yeah. And what I've told like my niece and especially some of the kids is jujitsu teaches you how to deal with pressure, pressure on the mat. And when you learn how to deal with that, then pressure in life seems a little bit more manageable and the pressures of life can far outweigh the pressure on the mat and i think that's one of the most beautiful things that comes from practicing this sport and you know devoting time spending time to get better at this and i just wanted to toss in if i'm trying to choke you it's a 10 finger teabag guillotine that i use if i want to get a tap so just wanted to toss that one out there. We were matching your ice was clinking and there was chips going on in my kitchen. Um, love that. I really hope you never try to choke me again. I don't um, or at least I really hope I, I never piss you off enough to make you do that. I don't think I've ever tried that one on you, Katie. But it is. It's one of my it's one of my favorite subs. And if I'm if I need to pull a sub out of my pocket and I'm in and I'm in front headlock, I'm gonna try to ten finger guillotine you for sure. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, I'm taking notes right now. I'm like, listen, dear Katie, don't let Mark 10-finger guillotine you. XOXO. <laughs> that's, on, that's on the list of, of subs that won't make you any friends. You know, there's some subs like, oh, you armbar somebody, you triangle choke them. You know, they're fine with it. But, you know, the Ezekiel choke, you know, some of these other chokes, I always preface it when I teach. I was like, this, this choke isn't going to make you any friends or this sub. Yeah, I was just going to say my personal worst, even counting like broken ribs and whatever, the worst one I ever got was a loop choke, a standing loop choke, and my lapel went inside my mouth. Mm. And yeah, I cut, I managed to uh, put my bottom teeth almost completely through my bottom lip. Ooh, that's a bad one. Yeah, and I wasn't fighting it. I mean, I didn't even have a chance to tap, and it just, I, it, it, it went in there, and the dude ripped it, and it was, yeah, it was like blood all over my gi, his gi, the mat, it was, it was nasty. I wish I made that no 10 fingers list. Come on, man. I get <laughs> that thing time. put on me all the time. <laughs> I'm always trying to choke David. <laughs> <laughs> this has been awesome, guys. And we just hit 930. So I want to thank you for our longest episode ever, an hour talking with us. And I feel it's always very engaging. I love these conversations and I love the input. So thank you guys all, everybody. Thanks, guys.
One more shout out to Aaron and his photography business, Half Doe Media. Y'all should go check it out and follow it. Super great content. Really awesome photographer. Thanks again for joining us, Aaron. Super appreciate you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a ton of fun. Absolutely. If you can tag us or, you know, reach out on the socials, we'll pass it around. Make sure that we get the word out to promote it, man. Definitely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you guys going to be in Albuquerque for the upcoming uh, Naga event? Uh, what date is that? Do you know offhand? I think so. It's a, it's either a Naga or Grappling Industries, but it should be March 14th. Uh, May 14th. Jamie, you're registered for an Albuquerque comp, aren't you? Yes. The uh, the Desert Warrior that they usually have in El Paso, they moved it up to Albuquerque, and I believe that's July 9th. I'm trying to find my calendar app on my yeah. phone. Yeah, July 9th is correct for that competition. Yeah, yeah I'm in like a porn star on that one. <laughs> that's going to be an awesome one. Yeah, we're definitely going to that one. I don't know about the upcoming grappling industries on May 14th, but uh, since we're giving shout-outs, Natasha's on here. Thank you for listening. And Natasha's got a fight coming up on May 7th. Very close. She's got an awesome one in Vegas against a very tough opponent. So very excited. Hopefully training's going well, Natasha. Definitely shout out. If you can watch it, it's going to be on Flow Grappling May 7th. The other thing I wanted to talk about before we go is uh, we have Oscar from Legacy in Las Cruces with us on Friday. He's a six Dan Judo black belt. He'll be on to talk about his upcoming judo event here in Las Cruces that's coming up in June. And I wanted to toss out there maybe a possible topic for who is your most influential either coach, teacher, you know, something like that. What do you guys think? I dig that'd, it. I like it. That'd be fantastic. Very cool. Yeah. I'll I'll share the, I'll share on my Twitter. There's a there's a video of Tom Brady that my buddy always shows me. And I've always hated Tom Brady, you know, when he was playing football. But this kid asks him a really cool question and the the response that he gives is just, you know, is moving and it's very it's very cool to see that from somebody. So the topic for Friday is going to be, you know, who who is your most influential, you know, teacher or coach, uh, mentor and and why. Yeah, Sounds like a plan. Love listening to that one. Awesome. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Katie, you rocked. Jamie, you rocked. Thank everybody for coming on. We'll see you guys on Friday. Everyone stay safe.